welcome to episode two of the Five Point Move podcast. I'm Tim Han, senior editor for FivePointMove.com, and with me is my co-host, 1995 world champion, 1996 Olympic silver medalist, Dennis Hall. Dennis, what's up with you tonight? Not much, man. Just waiting to uh, talk with Spencer. All right. Well, either way, and you, we'll, we'll move on to that in just a second. And uh, as Dennis alluded to, joining us tonight is our first ever guest. It's someone everybody knows, one of the most dominant Greco-Roman wrestlers in U.S. history, practically, I guess you could say. Uh, Two-time Olympian, six-time world team member, junior world bronze medalist and university world champ. And of course, he's now the assistant head coach with the Army's WCAP program. A great wrestler, but even a greater guy, Spencer Mango. Jeez, that's a that's a mouthful. How are things going tonight, Spencer? Yeah, I'm I'm doing great. I'm uh, happy to be here. <laughs> I think we all are. Um, <laughs> we have some questions for Spencer, uh, who never ceases to be a busy man, but is kind enough to be with us tonight. There's some other topics we're going to cover too, such as the modifications USA Wrestling has made to passivity coming up which I know Hall can't wait to get going about. Um, yep. <laughs> there's a lot going on. The world team trials are coming up and so forth. But really, this episode's all uh, all concentrated, focused on talking to Spencer. Um, and uh, whew, I guess the, we'll jump right into it. Are you ready, Spencer? I'm ready. All right. Well, uh, then I'll start, and Hall, you jump in whenever you want. All right, we are, what, it is April 4th, so we're just under 52 full weeks since your last match. Are you at peace with retirement? Uh, Yeah, I am. You know, I, I actually get asked the question all the time, you know, uh, do I miss it? And, you know, not really. It's it's nice waking up every morning without having to pull yourself out of bed, being sore everywhere, and necks all, all hurting. But, uh, you know, I... I still get in the room every day. I still still wrestle with the guys, so I I still get my first year of, of wrestling in. But you know, just the having the weight off my back of actually training, giving it all your all every day. You know, it's it's a uh, it's been a blessing for me. What is how long did it take? I guess I mean I don't know if Paul, you want to speak to this, but how long did it take to kind of adjust? to like you know the the approach of well you know what november was uh the nyc tournament let's say or right, or right. schultz like how long did it take to adjust to the fact like hey i'm you know what i'm not wrestling this weekend this is an event i've been to you know whatever 50 times yeah, uh, it's, I'm, I'm i'm still adjusting you know it's uh it's it's a lot different going in you know as a competitor you worry about yourself, you know, my, my weight's good, you know, I've, uh, I've scouted my opponents, I have a game plan for, for every match, but now on the coaching side, it's, it's not so much a individual thing, you know, it's, you know, how's everybody on the team's weight, you know, does, has everybody been putting in the extra work, you know, it's, uh, it's easy taking care of yourself, because, you know, at the end of the day, I know I'm going to do what I need to do to be successful, but when you're you have other people's careers uh, in your hand, you play a big part in their preparation. You know, it's a, a lot more work to put into it. Well, also in the room is your otherworldly talented younger brother. <laughs> um, is and now look, obviously you've 
wrestled around with him. You've coached him, you know, prior to this. But now that he's, you know, he's firmly established in, you know, what has essentially been for, you know, a long time, your weight. I mean, I count I count 55 and 59 almost as the same in a way because it's the, it's the lowest weight. Right. Um, is there, you know, what is that dynamic like on a day-to-day basis? You know, because you're not preparing anymore. Right, right. Um, now, obviously, you you have plenty of other athletes who you're working with in the room at WCAP, but your your brother's there. Um, how how do you approach that kind of you know dynamic on a on a on a daily basis? I mean, because there obviously there's a more intimate uh, you know there's a more intimate kind of understanding you have with him than you do everybody else. Right. Uh, you know, so Ryan's a, a special type of athlete. He he doesn't really take um, much coaching. You know, in, in the room, you'll, you'll watch him, and he's he's amazing. You know, he's he's way better than I ever was in, in my book. And, you know, it's just going to take a, a few small things for him to actually realize that. So most of the time in the room, I'm honestly spending spending time with other wrestlers and and helping them, guys that need the most help. And, you know, Ryan, you know, I look over and check on him, and, you know, he's training hard, doing his thing, and he looks great. You know, it's just, you know, putting a, a complete tournament together and, you know, stringing together, um, you know, three, four uh, big wins when it counts. Well, I mean, that kind of leads into the pretty that kind of leads into the next one i would say uh and that is you know this is and this was actually one of the main topics we wanted to cover with you and really not even just you i mean for crying out loud we probably could have had uh BSIC come on uh, i'm sure we will eventually but uh, this applies to both of you but as far as transitioning into a full-time coaching role right off the bat as soon as your competitive career ended what are the, some of the challenges you do face? And I, and I guess the second part of that would be if yeah, there are challenges, what have been the easy parts? Okay. So, um, I'll start with the challenges. You know, it's, it's, it's hard, um, going from, you know, teammate to coach with, with some of the guys, you know, I've, I've known just about all these guys for a number of years now. And, you know, going from the the friend buddy type, you know, what are you doing this weekend? To, hey, are you you know you putting in the extra work, or are you doing what you what you need to do, in order to be the best? You know, it's a it's a tough transition, but you know, I'm I'm taking it one step at a time. I I feel like the guys have been great. You know, they uh, listen to what I have to say, and you know, it's it's really been a a pretty smooth transition so far. And um, you know, some of the good things is you know I, I've I've just been at that level. I've I've experienced, you know, all the the toughest competitions, you know, in, over, across the the United States and the world. So, you know, I've I've been there and I've seen what it takes to to be the best. So, you know, they got, these guys really uh, listen to me when I have something to say. You know, if I have some input or you know some match strategy, they they really um, sit down and take what I have to say and you know listen to every word. Yeah, of course they listen to what you have to say. <laughs> For sure. If they don't, they need to start. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I could see that dynamic kind of being 
you know, turning it on and off, going from teammate to coach, and and not only going from teammate to coach, doing so with a very quick turnaround. Right. I mean that that's kind of the X factor here. See, that's the difference that you have with Besic, is that Besic at Northern, you know, he wasn't their teammates. Uh, right, right. You know, he was somebody they all, I'm sure, to an extent at least, uh, look up to. Uh, I think it's, yeah, going from being a contemporary to, you know, lack of a better term, an authority figure, you know, that's right, right. That's quite the change to make uh, within, you know, a few months' time. But at the, at the very least, the, the I would think the bright, bright spot about it is, hey, you didn't have to move, <laughs> you know. <laughs> right. You didn't have to do all that. Yeah, not yeah, not. And I I I think with Spencer, you know, him being on top for so long and so dominant in the U.S., it makes an easier transition because people know he knew how to battle day in day out, and and get the job done year after year. So I think that automatically demands respect from the athletes. Well, I mean, yeah, I, 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 how would I know? I, I take <laughs> your word for it. Um, the, the only, the, the one thing that you kind of come back to is that wrestling is a sport where going into coaching is a, is very natural. It's the natural progression. It's the circle of life. Um, but when you have, you know, really really successful wrestlers going to coaching sometimes there's a bigger spotlight on them too you know i mean it's it's a different it's different you know you have plenty of coaches who are absolutely excellent they're great communicators whatever but they might not have had extraordinarily successful careers either right and then on the other hand you have guys who've accomplished you know enormous things and then they go into coaching and I think we see those types differently. I do. I don't know if that's fair or unfair, but I think it's accurate. I don't know, Hall. What do you think? I, I think you have all different types of coaches. You know, the thing I like about Spencer is he was always willing to share things with the other athletes, even while he was competing. I mean, I, I coached uh, Spencer up at Northern Michigan, and... You know, he'd show and help out the younger guys even when he was competing and probably competing against the guys that were in the room. You know, that was a neat part that I liked is having him in the room when I was coaching up there because he was on world teams, he was on Olympic teams, and, um, you know, for him to be able to take some of that coach and so uh, – the kids that I was training to him, it made my job easier as a coach. Well, you know what? This is a good question then. And Spencer, I mean, you would be able to speak to this as well, even though we're talking about you. <laughs> uh, right? I mean, practically in front of your face. Um, but are coachable, maybe that's the X factor too, is that maybe coachable athletes are the ones who make really good coaches. You know? Right. I mean, that doesn't get talked about quite the same way, does it? You know, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, guys who pay attention in the room, right? Maybe they're the ones who know how to, you know, wind up relaying that, you know, once they're in the, uh, once they're in the coaching position. Right. You know, um, 
well, we wanted to speak on uh, what Dennis was saying. You know, uh, I feel like for me, the showing somebody something in the room really never hurt me. It was just only going to make me better. So that's why I was always, you know, so open to, you know, show technique or, you know, what works for me. Because if they get better, that means I have to get better. And, you know, if everybody's fighting for that number one spot, you know, whoever comes out on top, they're going to be prepared for the world championships and the Olympics. So, you know, that's why I always, I was never one to, you know, hide a technique or, you know, not show anybody. I'm, I'm never that kind of guy. I, I want you to be better so, you know, you can push me. Well, you're better than me, Spencer, because I kept some of the stuff I knew. <laughs> Just being honest, man. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm I'm weird. I'm uh I'm one of those guys. I like to chase. You're a nice like guy. Chase. You're a nice you know, guy. You know, it it doesn't matter if it's um you know doing a relay or you know running a mile or something. I I like to be the guy chasing. You know, I always like to have something to shoot for. Have somebody in front of me that I need to you know chase down and and beat. But um you know as far as being a coachable athlete, you know. I'm a firm believer that, you know, there's no cookie cutter way to do things. You know, some guys may, may do an, an arm drag one way. Some guys may do an arm drag another way. You know, that's why I always had an open mind as an athlete and always tried to, to learn something, even if it wasn't, you know, something that I, you know, maybe excelled in, I'd, I'd give it a try at practice, you know, because it practice is where I, I feel like I, I made my biggest strides. You know, I learned what worked for me, what didn't, you know, I tried, you know, different things from, you know, a hundred different coaches and, you know, then I can whittle it down and, and figure out what, what I was going to use when I went out to my matches. But, you know, just being coachable and, you know, you can learn from anybody. That's kind of the, the mindset that I had when I, I went into the practice room. And, you know, now it's like I go out there and even if a guy doesn't do, you know, a technique the exact same way that, that I did it, you know, maybe it works for him and he, he can still be successful, but, you know, it doesn't have to be that, um, that one way or the highway when it comes to now he's bringing up something pretty interesting here is that you know having an open mind you know guys have different ways of performing techniques you know being creative that sort of thing is that now look at this is just coming from an observer standpoint so if you want to flame me when I go and ask this, go go ahead. Oh, you know I will. <laughs> well, the reason why I think that's interesting is because what you hear a lot, about, especially about the U.S. style, is that you know not that it's a there's a milk toast element necessarily, but it's it's tight. It's very tight. I mean, we talk about that all the time. But we usually talk about that in terms of, you know, matches crammed with passivity. <laughs> but do we not see enough, you know, open-mindedness, enough creativity when it comes to, you know, technical prowess? You know, are, are guys not trying to branch off and discover their I, own I ways? I think, yeah, I, I agree with what Spencer's saying. Um, you know, a lot of people are wanting to be fed technique and and relying on the coaches to make them, you know, world medalists, world champions, instead of going out there and figuring what works, works for, yeah, for them. Exactly. And, I mean, great example is uh, I had Agassi Manukian, who's a world champion from Armenia, was up at northern Michigan for a long time. 
Um, he lived in Stevens Point. I brought him over as a training partner, and he'd help me on my upper body nights, and he'd show technique, techniques uh, such as a two-on-one, and he'd say to the guys, he goes, he'd go, you guys have to find your technique. You know, I can show you 20 different position, but you got to find the way it's going to work for you. And it might be different than how it works for me. And I think a lot of times athletes don't experiment with technique enough and figure out what is best for them. Exactly. They try it one time. Oh, it didn't work. And then they're done with it. No, figure out how it's going to work for you. Yeah, but see, is that a generational thing? You know, honestly, from I think it's it's the rules that are kind of forcing people into this uh, this mentality. You know, people right now, you can you know get an underhook or get a two on one, and you can sit there. People just they they work for passivities. That's the the game you play now. That's the the current rules that we have. Nobody's really working on you know a ton of technique. You you working on pace. You working getting to a dominant position. Yeah, you're trying to score if it's there, but if not. You're in a dominant position. You're going to get the passivity call, and that's how you're going to okay, win. Okay, I got I to say something here. <laughs> um, you know, Ben Provisor at the U.S. Open is controlling underhooks and, and moving guys <laughs> around. And we don't get any passivities, but we get, put, <laughs> we get passivities against us. Right. And I had a chat with a referee after, one of the high referees, and I said... You know, from a coaching standpoint, I'm telling my guy to engage and go after these guys. And these guys are backing up and they ain't engaging. Mm -hmm. And we're pushing guys around and we can't get a passivity and we're getting called because we're moving guys backwards. I said, that doesn't make any sense to me. And he's like, well, he ain't creating angles. I said, well, <laughs> it's kind of hard when a guy's got his head down and his butt backwards and he's, he's running. Right. You know, and I, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm never one to, to, to bash, to bash the refs, but you know, I ain't bashing the ref. I'm just asked a simple question. Okay, yeah, but I, I, you know, sometimes I wonder if some of these guys have ever wrestled. You know, some of the calls that I see, it's, it's, it's my hands. What did I text you today? <laughs> they, they never wrestled. How are they making the rules? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, honestly, it's, I mean, it's especially in Greco-Roman. Right. Yeah, it's it's mind blowing. You know, some of the calls that I see. You know, you, yeah, like you said, you have an underhook. And, and I mean, they should fly. have to go into. And this is where I got into trouble as an athlete myself. I wanted referees coming into the room and watching us and seeing it and asking questions on how what's happening. Right. Yeah, I just think, um, you know. Because what the refs see and what they want us to do is different than the way we see it as athletes. Yeah, there's definitely a disconnection there, you know. And I'm not blaming any refs or anything. It's a tough job, but, you know, it's hard, man, because there is a disconnect. Right. You know, it's it's tough on them. And, you know, honestly, I think that's the the only way that – you can get refs to start making the right calls. You get them in the room. They they have to go to some practices, you know, see what it's like, interact with the athletes, you know. Um, you know, it. I don't know. It's it's one thing writing these these rules down, what sounds good on paper, but, you know, when it when it actually comes down to, to um, you know, that point in the match where you have to make a call and, you, you know, you just have 
you know, zero experience with it, it's it's hard to make the right call. So, Hans, since we're on referees... And you open Pandora's box with a sledgehammer. Yes. Let's keep going. Okay. And I'm not I'm I'm not trying to cause trouble, but I I want people to understand the discrepancies that we have as coaches and as athletes. When you say discrepancies, you mean what you're expecting and what's being called? For sure. Well, you see, okay. <laughs> then we're going to go then we're going to just fast we we might as well just fast forward right into it. Okay. And that is obviously, uh, I guess, what, today is the fourth. So a little less than a month ago, uh, USA Wrestling came out with its modifications on the UWW rules. Um, you know, I think all the coaches received that document. I'm sure Spencer did. Um, okay. So I guess the headline maker in that document, I mean, we... we you know, we talk about this on Five Point. It's uh, it's the latest piece, in fact, is that finger grabbing from here on out. I guess you know your your second call is uh, supposed to result in a caution in two. Right. Okay. Okay. Well, <clears throat> now I and anything to make you know anything to encourage a more you know. Open style of wrestling, I guess. You know, I, 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 from my vantage point, I'm all for, and I think everybody should be. Yeah, for okay. Right. However, the problem is, is that you're massaging this in at the most important time of the year. First off, mm-hmm. um, in my opinion, anyway. If you gentlemen disagree, you know, feel free to you know chime in. Uh, the other part of it is, is that they haven't workshopped this yet. Mm. So, I mean, they haven't come up with operators, you know, they haven't come up with tangible starting points, a baseline from which to make these calls necessarily, you know, I mean, what what we put the piece out. One of the first comments is from a user, is well, they can never tell who initiates the finger grabbing in the first place, and that's a pretty good point because you know what I I, I watch what a couple of, you know in the referees out. pick, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> we're we're back to square one. <laughs> or the guy acts like he was finger grabbed and starts shaking his hand when he's the one initiating. Yes. Right. Yes, I'm gonna show you. Here, look at, look, ref, he's grabbing me. He's grabbing me. They, I've seen, I've seen them go so far as to bend their arms up into 90 degree angles to show that they're the ones being grabbed, but they're the ones who've been doing it. There's the one pinching yeah. the fingers together. <laughs> you see their knuckles white, and the other guys are fine. <laughs> yep. You know, I mean, is this? My question, I guess, to you guys, is. When you start calling cautions and twos on fingers, it's match changing. Well, not only could it be match changing, but look at how we've gotten to this point now, where this this seems like a good idea. You're gonna see some more Mongolian protests. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, but it, even what I don't understand myself, I'm not sure what the best case scenario here is because UWW has went the out. Problem is, the problem is, Tim, here's the problem. When you're putting something like this in the rules and you're giving away points, you know what? It leads to corruption. I don't care what anybody says. It leads to corruption and it leads to bad things. You know, how about making guys score points, not giving points away? When are they going to figure out that you you got to make guys score points? You know, I mean, you can win a match 2 nothing on a finger grab. Come on. Did that guy wrestle? Yeah, but how are you going to make them score points? You say that all the time. I don't know what that is. How do you do it? You wrestle them for nine minutes, six minutes, and then if they don't, you go a three-minute overtime. Yeah, I'm, you, I'm a fan of go overtime. Unlimited. I am a fan of the overtime. Exactly. Turn the, Guys will give up. I say turn the clock They'll off break. and wrestle. Exactly. Somebody, yeah, somebody's going to break. Yeah, but you, okay. But you understand that they can't have open-ended matches, right? Why not? Because the, there's events, there's time limits, they, there's the venue. You well, can't one or two days, have, right? Uh, okay. One or two-day tournaments? <laughs> exactly. Uh, eventually, I suppose. <laughs> you know, Tim, you're never going to get rid of all the corruption that is out there that is mind-blowing to people that don't understand the sport or haven't been in the sport. You know, I mean, you you saw it at this last Summer Olympic Games, how how the corruption was. I mean, if if that didn't open people's eyes to um, taking the power out of referees' hands, I don't know what will. And I'm not saying all refs are corrupt, but you know what? It's not good for our sport. Well, first and foremost... Just- I'd much rather see it our wrestling match than see somebody get ripped off. Well, corruption doesn't necessarily have to mean um, nefarious activity influenced by external people, external, you know, sources, okay? I mean, corrupt could just be, uh, you know, a jaded concept yeah. enforced, you know. Uh, uh, I mean, that's a referee's job, an official's job. All three officials, their whole lot in life is objectivity once that objectivity is compromised you have corruption yeah spencer how much corruption have you seen while you were competing uh, more than i can count exactly that's what the average person doesn't get right we've been to, i've been to seven world championships three olympic games and i've been to uh another Olympic and another world championship, and it didn't change. No. it. You know, like I said, it like all these rules sound good on paper, but, you know, when you when you put it into the, the referee's hand and you make them have to, have to make these calls, you know, according to, you know, what their guidelines that they were given before the tournament, it, it just, I feel like it just puts too much into it, you know, it's, Make these guys let them let them wrestle let them let them score points on their own you know if it's a if it's a tie, let's do overtime. All right. Well, the other parts of the passivity I shouldn't say passivity the rules modifications was uh, 
Now, UWW did this too, and I don't know if you guys saw it, but United World Wrestling even went so far as to create a video uh, depicting, you know, the difference between an active wrestler and a non-active or passive wrestler, okay? And this is all predicated upon the term hooking, right? Underhooks, overhooks, yep. Mm -hmm. uh, Over-unders, I mean, I guess uh, if I think... uh, Coach Lindland told me this, but I mean, uh, they're even seeing two-on-ones as a, a method of hooking, because technically, you know, it is a hook. Hooking yeah. is that stalling? Well, or is that it, being active? That's the that's kind of what I was alluding to. Is that um, I have Zach Errett, uh in his words to Five Point Move. Uh, he talks about hooking as, you know, that's an active methodology. That's uh, wrestlers being active because UWW, through their analysis, has determined that, you know. Okay, I got a question. Oh, here we go. <laughs> okay, so you're telling me if I got an underhook and the guy's hooking an overhook, he's being more active than me? I am not telling you that. I am No, I'm just asking a question. The way it was explained to you. I, essentially I would say so. Uh, That's what they think? They're saying that Dude, who made the first gesture? The guy that underhooked. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on. An overhook is a defensive counter. So who was active in the first place? I mean, that's part of the problem, man. Would you not agree, Spencer? I I do agree as a person who loves underhooks. And, you know, the only thing that I would add to that is, you know, sometimes you can get an underhook and just sit in it without trying to score. But as a wrestler... what? Fight out of it. Right. As a wrestler, I feel like it's very easy to tell if a person gets I'll rip your arm off if you're just hanging in there. Right. And, you know. I mean, it, I don't, don't penalize the guy. Right. To, to, to me, for me, it's, a, it's an easy call to make because I can tell, okay, somebody gets an underhook and the guy fights right out of it. And, you know, he's not really, really trying to keep his underhook. He's just getting it, trying to stall. Okay. And then I can tell when somebody gets an underhook and, you know, he's working hard, he's, try- he's, he's pulling, he's pushing, he's trying to get angles. You know, for me there is a, a, a difference, but, you know, it's, it's, it's like night and day. Okay, I, I got to say something because I'm going crazy over <laughs> this. Okay, back a long time ago when I was competing at the U.S. Open, I don't remember what year. I was wrestling in a match. I'm up 3-0, and I got underhooks on this guy. I get put down on a passivity. I shake my head. I'm up 3-0, but I'm being passive with an underhook, okay? The other guy had his head down, his butt buried backwards, but I'm passive. I thought, okay, that's just his complimentary passivity against me. As soon as I get back up to my feet, I go. I get back in on the hook. Same position. 
He buries his head. He backs up. I get dinged again. I The ref looks at me when it, to, for me to go down. I go, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> I said that. And I don't swear much. I don't swear with the refs. Okay. But at that point, I'm just like, dude, have you ever rest, or ref Greco or wrestled Greco before? I mean, come on. Yeah. See, yeah, in that situation, if if you're getting underhook, he he has his head down, his butt out. You're obviously being the more, more aggressive wrestler, you know. But why'd you go back to the underhook the second time when you got called? <laughs> I'm kidding. Why? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Because I wanted to throw <laughs> on his head and finish the match. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, I mean, I think the other wrestler was even surprised I got called for stalling. He's like, yeah. Uh, that's funny. Would you like me to read the quote? Yeah, go for it. Okay. The analysis that was done by UWW shows that a very high percentage of scoring from the standing position is a result of these types of hooking actions. This is the new approach for identifying... <laughs> I'm laughing already. And applying passivity, and I think it is a good way, too. So you're telling me they want guys to overhook now? Is that, I mean, am I getting this right? I didn't say they want guys to overhook or underhook. I'm telling you that they're looking at hooking as a catalyst for offensive points. So hooking, I, <laughs> you're confusing me, man, because there's an underhook and there's an overhook. I, I understand your confusion. I that's think what it so did they, that's did what they talk said. about a hook, I mean, a particular hook, an over no, or an under? No, he says this is the new approach for identifying and applying passivity, and I think it's a good way, too. I know that in the past, the focus was on the wrestlers being chest-to-chest -chest with their heads up. However, many good wrestlers know how to block from that position and make it look good. I think looking for how a wrestler <laughs> is actively trying to hook Closing distance and making attempts is a good way to identify who is actually trying to score. Therefore, the non-active wrestler would be considered the passive wrestler. But that is my case in point. When Provisor gets an underhook, why do guys back out and not stay in there? Because they know he'll wreck them. That's why they put their head down and they back out and they overhook. But we're we're passive. Come on. Yeah, but you know what? That that was before. That was before. Maybe now it's different. I mean, this is. I'm a, hoping. This is the modification. I mean, I. I'm hoping. You know, now he goes with an underhook, and maybe maybe all he has to do is grab one and dance it around for six minutes. He's going to come away with uh, you know, four points. Yeah, nah, that's ridiculous. I want him to score. I understand that. I don't know what I don't know how to make you happy here, as per usual. Yeah, I, but I, I'm I, just I, saying. You should they, probably work on the overhook with him. That's enough. He does pretty good from there too. <laughs> That's the offense of the future. Okay. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yep, I hear you. Yeah, but you know what is? But you get the confusion as a coach and an athlete. I mean, do you wonder why we struggle as coaches and athletes? 
Well, yeah. I think that the part that would concern me if I was a coach or an athlete for that matter, but more a coach, is that it's one thing going overseas and dealing with those officials, okay? I think there's a different level of expectation that I think there's an exchange that takes place, an exchange of concepts. Whereas when you're competing at a domestic event, especially, you know, like what's coming up, you know, the most important domestic event of the year in the World Team Trials, what would bother me is knowing that there hasn't been a lot of time for this to have been appropriately... <laughs> I'm saying knowing that you don't know? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Have that no would clue be the part. how it's going to get called. And if it's going to be... That's the scary part. Right. I agree 100%. Okay. Well, what? One. I mean, is it really going to be called every time there's a finger grab? I, I think that is a little overzealous. I, I, I mean... Are, okay, are they going to have then, a timer? Okay. Because it says... It says in the... You've seen the sheet. Right, Hall? You've seen the sheet that we're talking about. I know you have. Okay, yeah. so it says, uh, you know, a, a, an official will, you know, won't just, you know, whatever, slap the hands away after, after another time he's going to knock them. Yeah. That'll be the caution. That's Grabbing how their fingers I, uh, will be penalized much stricter than before. The referee shall say open and may reach in and break the lock. After the initial warning, this is to be penalized with a caution and two points. So, so can you get a caution and two against you on the same finger grab? Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's a legitimate question. No, I, I, w I would think that the first, I would think that he's, official comes in, tries to, you know, whatever, smack your hands together or whatever, and that, that's a... Well, the guy that's getting his finger grabbed in the first place can pinch his fingers and not let exactly. the other guy exactly. get his hand away. It's going to be a mess. You know, it's going to be a Exactly. Mess. Okay. You I mean, Spencer, you you get it, man. Yes, it's it I don't know. I don't know how they're going to enforce this. You know, it's, it's Yeah, well, they're not going to have I'm, a timer, I'm, yeah, are they? I'm, I'm I'm glad I'm not in that position. I guess I'm going to just have to sit back and wait and see how they call it, but same here. Yeah. Obviously, if they came out with the document in what March 8th, I believe it's dated. Uh, there would have had to have been something before that, I would assume. I know they were, there was a meeting in Sofia uh, fairly recently, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know if Spencer, you do you know that or not? I I do not know. Okay. Me either. Okay. Well, nevertheless, this is. I mean, if you want to call this a problem, to me, that's the problem, more so than the actual call is. Well, I don't know if, you know, you're talking about a good number of officials at this event, you know. How many of them, how many of them, you know, how many of them book themselves enough, you know, studying, at least, at the very least studying tape, you know, right, right. this is what we're going to look for, you know, I mean, what, you're going to count? That's why I keep saying, what, are you going to have a timer? Okay, wow, well, they're holding for, well, this is four seconds now. I mean, Another question is, is, finger grabbing, okay, if I'm offensive and I grab four fingers, you know, and I have... The, his four fingers in my hand, is that considered finger grabbing? Finger grabbing? That's a good question. Huh. <sighs> you mean, like you said before, as you're peeling his hands off the body? 
No, I'm talking. I'm talking on the feet. If I grab four no, fingers to do mean. an arm drag. Uh, no, I don't think. Is that finger grabbing? No, I think. I. Is it just interlocking? I, I think intertwining is. I mean. Yeah, but some guys will grab the four fingers and hold for stalling. Well, <laughs> I mean, course, it's the same thing. Right. Yeah, uh, I, I mean. That's what I'm honestly, saying. I, I see this, Vin. It's it's impossible to enforce this consistently. You know, it's. Yeah, but. You know what? It's the inconsistencies that I'm worried about. Yeah, but I mean, Spencer, is this vexing for you as a coach? Like, I mean, is this, I mean, obviously, you know, you're going to, I mean, I, I would assume like, you you know, hey, whatever the rules are, we're going to compete with them. Um, I mean, I would right, guess yeah, that's you know, it. I mean, I, yeah, it, it is what it is, you know, I mean, it's nothing we can do at this point about it the trials are around the corner these are the rules they're they're gonna have so i mean i'd be telling my athletes don't touch their fingers <laughs> but what if you have a guy that's going to go out there and grab your athlete's fingers and and acting like your athlete's grabbing his you know it, it's it's gonna be crazy but i get it <laughs> but i guess you know you gotta, gotta work around it and and do our best not to to leave it up to a finger grabbing situation you know to decide the match yeah, yeah. Well, that that's the problem, too. Is you decide the match, then we're talking about the prospect of matches getting decided within the first two minutes, right? I mean, a lot of these matches, what, like it's like it's it's so rare for them to be zero zero into the second period, right? right. So what if so what if somebody gets banged? To, they're down two nothing already, you know, like. This whole, I don't know. I didn't think that... Then the guy grabs the other guy's fingers and tries getting him caught. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think this was that big of a problem un- until, uh, you know, until now. At first, I was like, oh, all right, you know, we see too many guys holding hands, you know? Yeah, well, you haven't ri- wrestled at that level. <laughs> well, that's true. I mean, overseas, you know? I mean, Spencer, how many times overseas have you had your fingers grabbed? I've had it to the point where I thought my hand, my fingers were broken. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, same here. Yeah. Hey, that, that's when I tried uh, making him say uncle. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that might, that, that might be the highest scoring, uh, highest percentage scoring move at the, at the trials. Hey, <laughs> 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 hey, man. Okay. Well, at least we've got that squared away. <laughs> yeah. Let's get back and ask Spencer some more questions yeah, if he do, doesn't mind. Yeah, no, let's do this like pros. You know, we're we're on such a such a kick now. We should just ask Spencer to rewrite the rule book. <laughs> hey, I'll help you. <laughs> All right. Shake hands. No clock. <laughs> <laughs> well, wait a minute. Let me ask one question to Spencer because I've posed this. I posed this to Hall, uh, I think, in the past, is that obviously, I mean, passivity reigns in the background of this sport, uh, mostly mostly in a negative light, perhaps. Do you think, what if you imagine a world without passivity? You know, do you think, I mean, there's got to be a positive to it, don't, do you think that you know, there there does need to be, you know, a prod of sorts, you know, like uh, what I mean, if matches were competed without passivity, I mean, what are we looking at here? 
right? We're looking at potential clinch fests. I don't know. You know, if there was a world without passivity, what would these matches look like? Maybe they would be better. Maybe they would be more open because guys aren't walking on eggshells. That's something that really interests me. Like maybe that's the writer in me and I, I, I like to imagine weird stuff. I, I don't know. But I mean, is it, is it me or is when two guys or two guys are going at it in practice, nobody's really worried about that kind of thing so much, are they? Uh, no, you're not. But then again, at practice, guys are going to open up, you know, at, at practice. I mean, well, I, I guess I can only speak for myself, but I was never one to score some points and be like, oh, I got to hold this lead. You know, it's it's practice. And, you know, I'm wrestling for the world cha the championship practice world championships. You know, I'm in practice. Everybody's going to for the most part, I feel like open up, try to score points. And, you know, nobody's keeping score at practice. But. You know, in a match, I feel like, you know, it's going to be those guys who, who score two points and they think that's all they need to do to win the match. And they're going to try to hold on to that two points until the time runs out. So, you know, I, I do think that there has to be something to encourage the wrestlers to score points. But, you know, that that's a that's a, a tough, uh, tough rule book to write because, you know, it's 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 really no perfect answer. I I don't mind the passivities, you know. I, you know, you just, I I wish they wouldn't give away points. I wish they'd put in parterre. Exactly. You know, I mean, to me, I think because somebody's gonna score sooner or later. Exactly. You know, it's when they took the the parterre away. It's kind of it's making it. I feel like so that guys who, you know, aren't more complete Greco-Roman athletes can can skate by and get wins when they shouldn't be winning matches. You know, I, I feel 100%. like, okay, you're even on the feet. Let's see what who wins the parterre. You know, it, it has to be some kind of parterre where, you know, if guys are even on the feet, nobody's scoring, all right, that's fine. Now we're going to put you guys on the mat, and now let's see who comes out on top. You know, it's... Yep. I, I feel like, you know... It's, it's complete wrestling. Exactly. Exactly. No. Well, yeah, I agree. Why don't we make the rules, Spencer? <laughs> what if you had Pat? What if you had parterre? Like, um, instead of just call like, and not, not even having to use passivity as your, as your. Uh, okay, at the last thirty seconds, exact, not, red no, goes down yeah, or blue well, well, or whoever. Or, yeah, or, or or what about using it as a tiebreaker after the second period? You know, mm -hmm. like. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I mean, for crying out loud, what 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 would it hurt even giving both guys a shot? I mean, hey, I, that, I don't. The, those are my those yeah. are my favorite rules. The the yeah. I wish it was longer on the feet. The remember the one minute thirty thirty. Yeah. Yeah. I wish yep. I wish it was longer on the feet, but I love those rules. It's like, hey, you show me yours, I'm gonna show you mine. You know, let's let's see who wins. You know, every, both guys got a chance. You know, it got to see how feel each other out on the feet okay you know we're even whatever but you know somebody's gonna score on parterre that's what I, I loved about those rules but you know if we could yeah do something like that where you know both guys go on the feet and yeah say it's tied at the end of the match no criteria and let's go parterre you know I, yep go and tell somebody scores you do a 30 30 if nobody scores then you go and tell somebody scores in parterre right, you know it's yeah, don't folk style that shit either. Oh, I you, knew you. I, I, how did I know you were going to say 
Just don't do exactly. it. Oh, we don't get a point because we stopped the guy from lifting us. <laughs> yeah. Right? No. Wait until the offensive pointer or defensive pointer score. Right. right. That's the only way to do it. Yep. You know. I don't know. Send send these. Maybe you two should start a consortium. Okay. <laughs> get a bunch of people together. Make a petition. Whatever you have to do. And, and send it to Switzerland. See what they come back with. No, I agree. I, I, I think they need more coaches on those rules committees. I don't know what they have right now, but it's not working. You agree, Spencer? I, I do agree. I mean, it's – and, you know, it's it's hard. The, the, the rules are constantly – constantly changing they're constantly trying to tweak the rules but you know honestly i feel like it's it hasn't been any rules um it recently anyway that i i really really liked and you know it's hard too from the the viewer standpoint you know my mom's been watching wrestling for i don't know uh yeah you know for <laughs> yeah as you know forever and um you know sometimes she has me rules and i'm like i i don't know you know <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's it's bad. I, you know, I can't even I can't even tell her the rules sometimes because I just have no clue. I'll tell her one thing, and then you know they're calling it a different way at the tournament. So, you know, it's it's hard keeping up with it, and uh, you know, it's I don't know. It's it, it needs to be a change, but you know, I just I don't see it happening anytime soon. Well, no, you know what though, the best part about that is that your mom is more important to this equation in a way than either yourself or an athlete is. Right. Because yeah. viewership right now is absolutely the most what important matters. thing. Absolutely it is. Yes. Right. And if we're not going to make an aesthetically pleasing sport, then we really shouldn't wonder why viewership has dropped. Right. right. You know, I, got, I have guys ask me all the time, like, oh, why'd that guy win? Oh, because he has a, a higher point uh, value move than, than this guy. Like, wait, it's it's tied. You know what do you mean? It's no overtime? Like, yeah. no. <laughs> so you're telling me if the Bulls shoot a three-pointer and say that the Nets have a two-pointer and a one-pointer, that it's no, it's no overtime. The, the, the Bulls win because they shot a three-pointer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, that, that's actually a really apt analogy. That's the best way to describe it. Um, all right. Well, you know what? Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I, I, I feel like as it, I feel as though we've neglected our superstar guest. Exactly. So Spencer, is there anything in your career you would change? Oh, could you, Ooh. oh, could you repeat that? What'd you say? <laughs> I just said, is there anything? Oh, in my career in, that I would change. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, of course, hindsight is is twenty twenty. Um, you know, it took me a long time to really realize, I guess, what what style worked for me. I had, you know, relative success, you know, throughout my career. But, you know, I feel like in in twenty thirteen, that's when I I really found a style that was was working, you know, for my my body type or or you know whatever for you know, my, my set of go-to moves. And, you know, if anything, I don't know how it could have been done, but if I could have just realized that, you know, maybe in 
2007 compared to 2013, you know, I feel like I would have had a lot more time to perfect it before I was actually uh, done competing. Yeah. Do you relate to that, um, Paul? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's that's quite something hearing that coming from, you know, two men who are as accomplished as you both, you know, change something like, you know, I mean, 2013, that's what, four years ago? All right. Gosh, geez, it has flown, Spencer. I mean, <laughs> like, does it, does it feel like it's been a flash? Like, oh, I mean, yeah. Does it f like two weeks ago, you know, you were still, you know, with Yvonne? Oh, yeah. You know, I, I, I still remember my first tournament at Sunkist, you know, my freshman year at Northern Michigan. Like, it was, you know, happened last year, you know, but, uh. You know, you never know uh, how long your career is. And that's one thing I, I try to tell the guys in the room. You know, um, you know, a, a lot of times guys come in and like, oh, I'm going to I'm not feeling so high. I'm going to take today off or, you know, I'm not going to go hard today. And you don't realize, you know, how short it really is. I know coaches all throughout my career were telling me, you know, you never know when it's going to be over. But when you're young, you don't, you're like, I don't I don't have to listen to that. You know, I'm I'm young. I'm going to wrestle forever. I'm going to wrestle till I'm you know, 50 years old, but, you know, it's, it's really true. It's, it's over in a flash and, you know, the, the time is, you can't take it for granted. So you really have to put everything you have into, into the short window that you're, you're given the opportunity to do the sport that you love. Did you know, did you know, let's say at some point in 15, that 2016 was going to be it one way or the other? Yes, I did. Um, I actually hurt my neck. Uh, I want to say that was 20, 2013 or so. And it was, you know, it wasn't that bad, but it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And I I just knew I wasn't going to be able to go to 2020. I, I figured I could probably go to, you know, maybe a couple more years after 16. But I didn't, I knew if I wanted, to, if I was going to go a couple more years, I would want to commit for a whole quad. So I knew that wasn't happening. So I, I knew that was going to be, that was going to be it for me. Uh, Hall, you have a, a very good question. If uh, maybe a little broad brush, but a very good question. Would you like to ask it? <laughs> okay. Uh -oh. Which one are you talking about? About, uh, how the U.S. can win more medals in Greco? That is the one. All right. You hear it? I, <laughs> I hear it. And, you know, that's... It's no simple question. You know, it's... You have to get you have to get overseas or get those guys to come over here. You know, it's... Wrestling Americans only get you so far. I don't know. Um, I can't speak for every weight class, but my weight class it's completely different wrestling an American compared to wrestle, you know, one of the European guys. And without that experience wrestling those guys, I was always. I, I guess I'll just share a story real quick. Yeah. I remember when Coach Lindland first uh, uh, got the the head coaching job at USA Wrestling, and you know, every camp I always got crushed when I first got overseas, and then it take me about a you know three or four days to adapt. And then I'd be able to compete and, you know, actually start beating these guys. But it took that long for me 
even being at like you know a really high level of wrestling, but just for me to adapt from the American style of of wrestling compared to the European style. So that's funny that you say that. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, when I used to bring foreigners over here, I'd go two to three weeks without scoring on right, them. Right, exactly. And getting my butt kicked every day until I, you know, got in rhythm and figured them out. Right, yes. yeah. I, I, I remember Coach Lindland, he was asking uh, Coach Lewis, he was like, oh, does he, he always get beat this bad at practice? <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah coach, coach lewis he's like oh yeah you know just just give him a few days he'll, he'll be fine you know but yeah you know just not having that um i guess that style or that level of competition day in and day out it's it's really uh you have to play catch up and and we're already playing catch up in america wrestling greco because you know we start so late when these guys are starting when they're young when our guys are wrestling folk style they're wrestling greco or freestyle so you know, already, you know, behind the curve and, you know, the styles are so much, so much different compared to the, the United States that, you know, without getting overseas and, and wrestling these guys or having those guys come in and, and wrestle, you're, you're never going to get to that level. It's just, it's almost impossible, I would say. Oh, well, so much for the whole wrestling is wrestling. <laughs> that's, that's what you hear. Oh, I, wrestling is wrestling, yeah. gentlemen. So it, I use that. I use that to get guys to try. <laughs> right. No, I'm no. I mean, I I agree. Wrestling is wrestling. Now, you know, I can I can go out there. I can wrestle freestyle with you. I can wrestle folk style with you. Even though I only wrestled four years of folk style, I can I can go in and wrestle folk style just fine. You know, but um, you know, I feel like they all carry over, and you can you can find you know little things that can help you in in any style. You know, from the others. But you know, as far as Greco, you gotta. You got to get over to Europe. You got to get over to, you know, these Asian countries, and you got to wrestle with these guys and get that experience in. Yeah, but what about this? Is that you, when I'm hearing you say this, it sounds like you're talking about more than just training camps, unless I'm reading it falsely into it. You know, like um, what was it? Was it the Hope Brothers? Who spent like, went over to Armenia? Uh, went over to Armenia for like what, like f six months or something insane like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. is, I mean, is this the kind of thing that it takes? Or are we talking, you know, incremental trips throughout the year, camp here, camp there? You know, it's always. Uh, I'm gonna talk on this. I think you need, you know, two three months with these guys. You need training with them before the World Championships, because. You know, you go over there for a two-week period, you train with them, you come back to the United States, and nobody can lift like those guys in the United States. So, you know, you get three, two, three months where you're not being tested in parterre, and then you go over to World Championships, your timing is off, and you get lifted or you get gutted, and you lose the match. I mean, Spencer, do you see it that way? I do. Like I said, 2013 was the year where I, I started figuring things out for myself, and I spent a lot of time overseas that year. I spent, before the World Championships, I spent 31 days straight in Hungary. That sucks. <laughs> hey, but it but it helped, you know. Uh, no, it does, yeah, for I, sure. I had my, my but I, I feel bad for you. <laughs> no, I, I think it was worth it. Yeah, I spent 31 days before the World Championships in Hungary. 
Uh, I think I was in uh, Poland that year for a couple of weeks and, you know, then the Pan Ams and all that stuff. But yeah, that, that 31 days in Hungary, I, like I said, first got there, got crushed. And then, you know, the more you wrestle, the more you're like, you know what? They have a different style. It, it doesn't mean it's better. You know, we just haven't experienced it. And once you get the hang of it, it's like, oh, I, you know, I can beat this guy. Same guy that was tech following me, you know, my first. And you're ripping his arms off and his head off. Yep. It's hard, you know, it takes it takes money to get over there and do these things and you know, uh, sadly Greco's like the you know, the 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 runt of the of the group. I always say it's a red headed stepchild. Right, yeah, you know, it's it's uh, it's hard to get to get uh, money without medals and it's hard to get medals without money, so Yep, double edged sword. Yeah, well funding and Fundraising and all that could be an entirely other show, couldn't it? For sure. Okay. Uh, what coach or coaches had a big impact in your career? You know, I don't want to, you know, sound like I'm sucking up, but, you know, all of the coaches that I've dealt with can, you know, you brought that, that fight mentality to, to the room where it's like, hey, you know what? I'm going to go out there and I'm going to fight and I'm going to give it my all every single match, you know, and that was something, you know, I, that, that never really was my style, but I I learned, you know, that you don't, you don't have to, I don't know how to put this, you know, every match you can go out there and you can go super hard on your opponent and try to break them. And, you know, just because I'm not a, a mean person per se, I could still, <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm a nice guy, but uh, yeah, you could still bring that out on the mat when you go out to wrestle, you know. And then after that, I I came out. I was at the army program, and and Coach Lewis, he um, you know, he showed me with uh, I think the biggest thing was he just stayed on me all the time with my parterre defense, parterre defense, parterre defense, and you know I had been taught parterre defense by you know you and Yvonne. And I don't know something about the way he was on me. It just it just helped it click, or maybe it was just finally like my my body was sick of hearing everybody telling me this, and I finally started doing it. I don't <laughs> I don't know, but um yeah. So I think I I picked up you know little bits and pieces, and that's another thing I was talking about earlier is being coachable. You know, trying to take something uh, from every coach that you have. You can be coached by anybody. You know, you can learn something new, and you know putting it all together and making it your own, you know, so trying to, trying to take every little bit of information you can get and turn it into a complete package. You know, I feel like that's what it, what it takes to be successful and, you know, always being um, adaptive and, you know, willing to evolve and, you know, not get stuck in your ways. Okay. Well, we'd like to thank Spencer for taking the time out on a, you know, a Tuesday night, you know, he's busy, he's got children, uh, he's, you know, coaching and helping everybody get ready for world team trials. So Spencer, we really appreciate you taking a couple hours tonight and you know no, hanging thank, out with thank us. Thank you guys. Thanks for having me. It was it's it's been a great time talking to you guys tonight. 
Oh, it was our pleasure. I mean, I don't know if it was Hall's pleasure. It was certainly my pleasure. <laughs> no, it was mine too, man. I, it's nice getting inside the head of a guy that's competed at a high level and uh, hearing what he has to say. All right, well, thank you. No, I couldn't agree more. Uh, and most importantly, it's awesome that you were our first guest. Uh, For sure. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> Okay, well, that's it for episode two, everybody. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you later. Bye.